0: Follow The Price of Paradise now, wherever you listen to podcasts. Normally, being a little extra can be a
1: bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions, like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit UH1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.
2: There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care.
3: Lucy Letby is accused of the murder of seven babies and the attempted murder of ten others. While she was working on the neonatal unit at the Countess of Chester Hospital, Letby denies all of the charges over the incident. Lucy Letby was the only person working on the night shift. It was alleged in court that their mother was apparently told by Miss Letby, trust me, I'm a nurse.
2: This is a podcast about one of the most anticipated criminal trials for years. It involves the most shocking of allegations, the alleged murders and attempted murders of tiny premature babies at the hands of a neonatal nurse whose very job it was to look after them.
4: Lucy Lepby is on trial at Manchester Crown Court, accused of killing seven infants and injuring 10 more at the Countess of Chester Hospital in Cheshire. In total, there are 22
2: charges, all of which she denies.
4: I'm Liz Hull, Northern Correspondent for The Mail, I will be in
2: court to report on the case as it develops. And I'm Caroline Cheatham, a broadcast journalist. Every week on this podcast, we'll examine what's happened and bring you the details behind the headlines. This is the trial of Lucy Letby. The case against Lucy Letby is that she murdered... Or tried to kill 17 babies while she was working as a neonatal nurse at the Countess of Chester Hospital in the northwest of England. She denies the charges.
4: The babies in this trial are not being named for legal reasons, and the identities of their families are also being protected. They're
2: known only as babies A to Q. Seven of the babies died, ten survived. Each one of these babies was or is someone's son or daughter and the mums, dads and families of every baby are present in court listening to every detail of how their child was allegedly killed or harmed.
4: We'll be bringing you that detail as the jury is hearing it from the prosecution and defence. We're getting behind the headlines to explain far more than the news reports you'll be reading, watching and listening to. And the importance of a fair trial is paramount. So we won't be getting into anything in this podcast that the jury have not been told, because they are the 12 people who
2: have to decide the outcome of this case. The jury is now hearing about each baby in turn. We've already heard about how five babies, babies A, B, C, D and E, were allegedly killed or harmed by Lucy Letby over a six-week period in the summer of 2015. Today, we focus on the sixth baby in this case. Welcome to episode eight, Baby F. So Liz, we're splitting this episode into two parts and that's because of some delays in the court case this week.
4: Yeah, so up until now, Caroline, the prosecution have taken around a week to explain the evidence relating to each individual child, which has actually fitted quite nicely with our weekly podcast. But as often is the case with lengthy and difficult trials, they sometimes don't go exactly as planned. And this week, one of the jurors fell ill and was too poorly to come to court, which meant no evidence could be heard and we were all sent home for the day. So losing a day meant the timetable of witnesses was thrown out of sync. And as a consequence, by the end of last week, the prosecution had not finished explaining exactly what they
2: say happened to Baby F. So today, in part one, we'll explain what the prosecution say happened. And next week, we'll explain what the prosecution expert witnesses say. We'll also bring you more information from the defence
4: and why they say Lucy Letby is not guilty of his attempted murder.
2: Baby F was the twin brother of Baby E. He was the younger of the twins, born around a minute after his brother by caesarean section. As we heard in episode 7, the boys were born 10 weeks early at the end of July 2015. But they should never have been at the Countess of Chester Hospital in the first place. They were only there because Liverpool Women's Hospital, where they were due to be delivered, was full. That's right,
4: Caroline. The courts heard that Baby F weighed around 3 pounds 3 ounces when he was born, which is slightly heavier than his brother, but actually he was the weaker of the twins. Unlike his brother, he needed resuscitating at birth, and for a couple of days he was on a ventilator to help him breathe. But by August 3rd, he was well enough to come off that ventilator, and both boys were doing so well that staff talked about moving them to another hospital to be closer to their home, which was about an hour away.
2: That didn't happen because that evening, baby F's brother, baby E, suddenly collapsed and died in the early hours of the following morning. So on the
4: morning of August the 4th, the twins' parents were reeling, devastated by the death of their son a few hours before and desperate to get their surviving son closer to home, so efforts were being made to try and arrange transport to take him to their local
2: hospital until he was well enough to go home. But there weren't any ambulances available. And before Baby F could be taken away from the Countess of Chester Hospital to be looked after in a hospital closer to his home, is the prosecution case that Lucy Letby struck again. A few hours after, she'd attacked and killed his brother.
4: They say that, following the death of Baby E, Lucy Letby went home from her shift, and when she came back the same day for her next night shift, she allegedly
2: tried to kill his brother, Baby F, by poisoning him with insulin. And Lear's baby F, was the first baby who was allegedly poisoned in this case.
4: That's right, Caroline. In the previous cases we've seen so far,
2: the prosecution
4: say Lucy Letby attacked the babies by injecting them with air, either into their bloodstreams or their stomach. But this is the first time the prosecution say she used insulin to try and kill.
2: So Lucy Letby arrived for her night shift on August the 4th at around 7.30. And on this shift, Liz, she wasn't looking after baby F.
4: No, Caroline, she wasn't his designated nurse. Baby F had been moved out of the intensive care nursery following the death of his brother. He was in nursery two, which was the high dependency unit. Another nurse who we've been told was a friend of Lucy Letby's and who also mentored her during her training was caring for Baby F. Lucy Letby was caring for another baby who was
2: in the same nursery. By this time, Baby F was breathing for himself, although he was being given a little extra oxygen via a mask. He'd had a few problems regulating his blood sugar after birth and was on antibiotics for a suspected infection, but he was progressing well and doctors were not concerned.
4: Crucially, doctors who examined Baby F around six hours before he was allegedly attacked noted that his blood sugar issues had been resolved. And this is important because, as we'll hear later, the blood sugar levels in Baby F are at the heart of why the
2: prosecution say he was poisoned. OK, so Baby F was being fed small amounts of his mother's breast milk by this point via a tube in his nose, and he was also being given extra nutrients intravenously via a line into his bloodstream. Again, this is an important detail in the case, Liz. Yes, these fluids are
4: supplement feeds that are given to premature babies because their tummies are so small that they can only tolerate tiny amounts of milk. The court heard that, at the countess, stock fluid bags of nutrients, which could be given to any baby, were kept in a locked fridge on the neonatal unit. But bags could also be tailor-made for each child, which meant that the contents were prescribed by the doctors according to what each baby needed. These bespoke bags were put together by the pharmacy and sent up to the neonatal ward every afternoon. And once on the ward, it was then the nurse's job to put up the bag, which involved them attaching it to a line or cannula into the baby's bloodstream and hanging the bag above their cot so the contents could slowly
2: infuse. And it's these bags, Liz, which the prosecution say were sabotaged by Lucy Letby. They allege that somehow she added insulin to the nutrient bag shortly before it was put up and attached to Baby F's intravenous line.
4: That's right, Caroline. Nick Johnson Casey told jurors that at around midnight on August the 4th, that's around four hours after Lucy Letby had started her shift, she poisoned Baby F with insulin. And around two hours later, in the early hours of August the 5th, He suffered what doctors call a hypoglycemic episode, which is an unexpected drop in his blood sugar. He also vomited some milk, and there was a surge in his heart rate.
2: These were recorded by nurses in their routine observations. And the jury have been told that low blood sugar, if untreated, can cause patients to suffer seizures, interrupt their breathing, and even lead to irreversible brain damage and death.
4: Yes, this bit might sound a bit technical, Caroline, but these levels are important. The jury have heard that anything below 2.6 millimoles of glucose per litre of blood is too low for a premature baby. Ideally, doctors want their blood sugar to be between 4 and 7 millimoles. But at 1.54am on August 5th, baby F's glucose reading was just 0.8, which was described as worryingly
2: low. So over the course of the next few hours, doctors gave Baby F sugar water known as dextrose and also extra glucose to try and counter the falling sugar levels in his blood. They initially suspected that the drop could be due to dehydration or an early sign of infection and so they continued to give him saline and more antibiotics.
4: And by the time Lucy Letby went off her shift at around 8am, Baby F's blood sugar was still dangerously
2: low. At 8.47am, she sent a WhatsApp message to her colleague, who we can't name for legal reasons, but who'd been on duty with her that night. The messages are voiced by actors.
5: Did you hear what Baby F's sugar was at 8am? No. 1.8. Shit, now I feel awful, but leaving it three hours didn't seem excessive, and it was only two and a half hours. Something isn't right if he's dropping like that, with the amount of fluid he's had. Don't think you needed to do it sooner. Got to think of his poor heels, too. Exactly. He's had so much handling. No, something not right. Heart rate and sugars. Dr Gibbs saw. Hopefully they will get him sorted. He's a worry, though. Hope so. He is a worry. Hope you sleep well. Let me know how baby F is tonight, please. I will, hun.
2: For much of that day, Liz, jurors were told baby F's blood sugar levels remained low. Yes,
4: and despite being given repeated doses of dextrose, the medicine had little impact on his
2: blood sugar. So at seven o'clock that night, the doctors decided to stop the nutrient feed altogether and increase the amount of dextrose. And it was only after they did this that his blood sugar began to stabilise. During this time, Lucy Letby wasn't on duty and she had the night off. So the court heard she went to a salsa dancing class with another nurse, Mina Lappalainen. But jurors were told that
4: she was keen to be kept updated on Baby F's progress, and she asked her colleague, who was his designated nurse that night, to let her know how he was getting on. Messages between them begin with the nurse on duty WhatsApping Lucy Letby from the hospital at around
2: 8.45pm. The messages are voiced by actors.
5: He's a bit more stable. Seems long-line issue, not the cause of his sugar problems. Doing various tests to try and find answers. Oh dear, thanks for letting me know. He's defo better though. Looks well, handles fine. Good.
4: Three hours later, before she went to bed, Lucy Letby messaged her friend at work again.
5: Wonder if he has an endocrine problem. Hope they can get to the bottom of it. On way home from salsa with Mina. Feel better now I've been out. Good. Glad you feel better. Maybe re-endocrine. Maybe just prematurity. How are the parents? Okay. Tired. They've just gone to bed. Glad they feel able to leave him. Yes, they know we'll get them, so good they trust us. Yes. Hope you have a good night. Thanks. Sleep well. Kiss kiss.
2: Baby F stabilised and eventually recovered. But a blood sample was taken when he was poorly and sent to a specialist laboratory at the Royal Liverpool Hospital, 30 miles away, to be tested. And the court heard that when the results came back a week later, they were very unusual. Dr John Gibbs,
4: the consultant paediatrician who cared for Baby F, said he'd expected the lab results to have shown virtually no insulin in Baby F's blood because of his abnormally low blood sugar. But in fact, they showed the opposite. He said baby F's blood had very high levels of insulin and hormone markers also found revealed it could not have been naturally produced in his own body. Dr Gibbs said these results show baby F was given a drug, a synthetic form of insulin,
2: but he was never prescribed this at this time and he should never have received it. And Liz, we're going to hear much more about this in part two, aren't we, from the prosecution experts. But it's significant because they say the test proves someone deliberately administered insulin to baby F in the hospital and the prosecution case is that it was injected into the nutrient bag and the court heard some detail about the way the bags were stored.
4: Yes, so Shelley Tomlins is a nurse who was working on the unit at the time. She gave evidence via a video link from Australia where she now lives. She told the court that the nutrient bags and the insulin were kept in a padlocked fridge in Nursery One. She said it was usual for the shift leader to be in charge of the keys, but admitted that any nurse could request them. Any one of us could ask for the bunch of keys and end up by accident having them in our pocket for a while, she said. It wasn't strictly enforced, and she said there was no
2: log or record kept of where the keys were at any given time. Two other nurses, Sophie Ellis and Belinda Williamson, who were all working around this time, were also called to give evidence, and all three were asked by the junior prosecuting barrister, Philip Asbury, did you, at any point in time, administer insulin to Baby F? No, or absolutely not, they all replied. But it's the prosecution case that someone on that unit deliberately poisoned Baby F with insulin. And that someone, they say,
4: was Lucy Letby.
2: So Liz, there's been lots of complicated medical evidence this week and I imagine that at times it can be really difficult for the jury and for members of the press like you who are not doctors or nurses to follow exactly what's going on.
4: Yeah, Caroline, it's definitely one of those trials that you can't switch off from for a minute or miss a witness because each can be the key to the sequence of events and to following what the prosecution and defence say happened. My job when I'm writing for the newspaper is to condense around five hours of that complicated evidence each day into a fair and balanced account of the proceedings.
2: And usually I don't have any more than about 600 words to play with. I know this skill is working out what are the most important points to get across. And this can be just as tricky for us broadcast media as well, who on average have got about three minutes to tell viewers and listeners about the day in court. It's not easy to sum up really complicated evidence in just a few sentences. But one person who's been doing that for years and years is Matt O'Donoghue. You and I have known Matt for many years, Liz. We have. I've known both
3: of you for many years because um, much like the pair of you, I've been on that endless northern circuit of trauma and accident and court case reporting uh, daily for various outlets. I had done a law degree at university and back in the day, you got paid on the dole for uh, while you were doing work experience. So I touted myself around uh, all the radio stations in the northwest of England and um, started to learn my trade as a broadcast journalist before getting on to the postgraduate diploma in broadcast journalism at the then titled Preston Poly. But by the time I left, it was the University of Central Lancashire, how I went up in the world. One of the great things about it was we ran these news days which taught you how to go about taking huge amounts of information and then trying to see the patterns and condense it down into you know well in independent radio it was y- your your voices were maybe 45 seconds if you were lucky and you've been sat in core all day and you have to condense all that down that's
4: akin to writing for a red top where you've got about 400 words or the mail where you've got about six seven hundred words, or the telegraph where you've got about a <laughs> thousand words it's a, it's a similar breakdown isn't it if you're working on different stations
3: absolutely and in the situation where you're on a large case like this the Atmosphere amongst journalists from what you might think are competing brands, you know, from ITV and BBC. It's not like Anchorman where they're, you know, they're squaring up against each other. It's quite collegiate. You get these little adjournments, these breaks in proceedings, and everybody files out into what's called the precinct of the court. And, you know, 25 years ago, that was this nicotine-stained, smoke-filled area with coffee cups all over the place. Now it's this sort of very clean, very sterile area. And we all huddle and we go, what's your line? What have you got?
2: Increasingly, I'm sure it was always the case. And obviously you studied law at uni. I know you didn't continue to do that. But there is very much a sense of theatre with the way barristers present
3: their case. Totally the orators the narrators the way that they construct the story and it is it's theater the best actors are the ones who engage on an individual level with all 12 members of the jury amongst all of this you know the the elbows to get into court to get your seat because you know there aren't enough seats for the number of journalists outside the fact that You're drenched because it's lashing it down and you've had to stand in a massive queue outside court. You have to remember that there are real people at the heart of this. And it's that empathy that actually always engages with an audience.
4: I agree with you there, Matt, because I think sometimes people say, oh, you're a heartless journalist. You know, you're just there to sell newspapers. You're just there to get the story. But actually, when you're in close quarters with people that are facing serious allegations or... Families who've lost loved ones, you know, you're in that tightly packed courtroom and you can't help but
2: have empathy for often both sides.
3: I, I mean, completely.
2: but after a long, long day uh, working on a, a documentary, it's now quarter to eight at night. Yeah, You've been ever so in. kind with Thank your you time.
3: My pleasure and keep it up. I've listened to the podcast, I think it's brilliant. I think you're doing an amazing job. And I also know how hard. It is to tiptoe that tightrope that you guys are walking to tell the story in an empathetic way without crossing any legal lines. And I think you're doing a smashing job, so keep it up. Thank you.
2: Thank you, Matt. Take good care. See you soon, Matt. Next time in part two of episode eight, we'll hear more from the prosecution experts on exactly how they allege Lucy Letby administered the insulin to baby F and tried to kill him.
4: And we'll also hear more of Lucy Letby's defence and why they say she could not have poisoned baby F. I'll be in court to listen to the evidence and you can read my daily reports in the mail and on Mail Plus.
2: You can also follow us on Twitter at Lucy Letby Trial or send us an email at thetrialoflucyleby at com. And we'll both be back next
4: week. See you then.